BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Stacy Park Milburn was organizing for people with disabilities up until she passed earlier this month. And she'd been doing that ever since she was a teenager, back in North Carolina where she grew up. But for the past few years, she was here in the Bay Area, pushing the boundaries of disability activism itself and making sure that her work included those who were usually left out. There's a lot of conversation to be had too, I think, about all the ways that ableism and racism and classism and heterosexism and all forms of oppression like really work together to keep people out. Stacy Park Milburn died from complications from surgery on her birthday. She was 33. Over the past week, activists in the Bay Area and all over the country have been mourning Stacy. So today, we're remembering her too. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast. With an S. Thanks. She was, a lot of people would say, a leader. She kind of encompassed all of it. You know, sometimes there's like lead from the front, lead from the middle, lead from the back. Um, and Stacey was just somehow able to do all of that. I'm Andrea Levant, and um, I was a very, very close friend and also business partner with Stacy. Stacy grew up in North Carolina, you know, super loved, and she has a brother and sister um, that love her dearly that I recently got to meet. She grew up in an evangelical Christian home, and so dealt 
with and processed through just her own acceptance. And so in North Carolina, how did Stacy get so interested in disability justice issues? I think that all of us that are really steeped in the disability justice movement or even the disability rights movement have this um, some sort of moment like epiphany, you know, revelation mm-hmm. of like, whoa, I didn't even know that this existed. I walked till about middle school and then started using a manual chair and then scooter and then my high school used a power chair. But as strange as it sounds throughout that whole time, I never really identified as being a person with a disability. So she talks about how she attended an event um, and she heard Judy Human speak, who is um, really considered kind of the mother of just the disability rights movement and um, just the power there. So when I went to that first NYLINE conference, I was like, holy crap, I've been working so hard my whole life to be like everyone else, and I'm still different, and I can't figure out why, and now it all makes sense. Like, I have a disability. What were some of the earliest projects that Stacy worked on? So Stacy started, um, you know, in kind of the disability space, specifically Um, the independent living movement as a teenager. She was one of the co-founders of the North Carolina Youth Leadership Forum, um, which is a training and opportunity for young people with disabilities. And then she also had a governor appointed position by 18 on the statewide independent living council. How did Stacy come to realize she wanted to move out of North Carolina and come to the Bay Area? So Stacy, you know, she lived in North Carolina until she was 24. She lived at home because, you know, for so many of us with disabilities that are dependent in terms of care, that was provided by her family. And North Carolina also didn't necessarily have the programs in place um, the resources in place, the funding in place right. to um, support the life that she wanted to live. The independent living movement really started in the Bay Area right. um, in, in Berkeley. And the underlying or overlying piece is that she wanted to build a life of independence. So can you tell me about that actual journey? Like, how did she make that happen? Actually, she and a friend um, did a fundraiser to, to move. She was the epitome of um, interdependence. We help each other in order to live. And so um, when she moved out there, she didn't have, you know, services in place right away. And so she um, had friends that were helping um, with her, you know, personal care. She had a friend helping her find an apartment, um, things of that nature. So she, yeah, it was a, 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 a grassroots effort um, for sure. And obviously got to build her, her dream there. Stacy ended up in the East Bay. She worked as the director of programs at the original Center for Independent Living in Berkeley. The East Bay is also where she founded the Disability Justice Culture Club, and her home in Oakland became a meeting space, especially for queer people of color with disabilities. She thought of her work as intersectional, 
She even organized mutual aid in response to COVID-19, distributing masks and gloves to people living in homeless encampments. Stacy was far more than um, just disability. She identified as a queer disabled woman of color. She really was um, centering intersectionality and most, and, and even beyond that, it was the voices within the communities that are often not considered. She was one of the curators of the disability justice framework, which, which basically, it picks up where disability rights left off. And that is the disability rights movement was a very white-centered, male-centered movement. And disability justice says there are still within the disability space, when people come as their whole selves, there are gaps and there's still oppression therein. Victims of police violence are 50% people with disabilities, if not more. Or if we look at the special, special education system, um, it's not the individual special education student, but we can see how um, special education becomes continued segregation for so many black mm -hmm. and brown students. She was very much about not just centering disabled people, but centering black indigenous people of color, queer yeah. black and in indigenous people of color. And so that is where she found community. And that was what was so groundbreaking about what she did. So knowing that this was Stacy's framework, I know you and Stacy worked closely these past few months as co-impact producers for the Netflix documentary Crip Camp. What was it like to work with her? It, it was, um, we were living the dream. I mean, when Woodstock was happening, I remember being at my grandmother's listening on the transistor radio and saying, wish I could go, wish I could go, wish I could go. And then when I went to Janet, it was like, there I was, I was in Woodstock. And we had decision-making power. Um, you know, a lot of times we talk about bringing people to the table, bringing mm -hmm. disabled voices to the table, but you bring them there and then what do you do with them? Um, and so in this, it was, we had an opportunity to shape and taking the film and bringing it into a broader social justice space and having mm -hmm. conversations with people that may center black people, that may center trans rights or may center whatever and go, okay, how can we come together um, and, and, and think about what it looks like with disability as a part mm -hmm. of that. We would get off calls and she would call me after we would have a Zoom call. And she'd be like, what just happened? Like, you know, just like, oh my gosh, did we just do that? Did we just talk to that person? Did we, you know, it was just, we always would wow. have to have like a debrief after yeah. this excitement. And I yeah. tell you, um, at the end of every day with our team um, and specifically with her, um, I always did a, okay, what was our win of the day? Uh, it would be when we would say, no, you cannot do an all white panel. You know, you cannot have an all white event. Totally. Those were our biggest wins, I think, because it was, again, bringing the things that she stood for, um, that we stood for, and having them be acknowledged and, and, not, and beyond being acknowledged to actually 
like they had to happen. So mm-hmm. that was what was really cool. Did you learn things about Stacy through working on this dream project with her that you didn't know about her before? What I I think I learned the most, especially um, and now because I'm you know continuing on in this role, is just um, the boldness that she had. It was always dream bigger, you know. Uh-huh. Yes, um, and well, can we? Yeah, can we ask for this? I'm yeah. like, oh gosh, that feels like <laughs> a lot. I don't know if we could do that. And you know, she just always had, you know, it was always dream bigger. How did her relationship and her ideas around her own disability evolve over the years? She talks about that, um, you know, uh, talked a lot about that, just, you know, acceptance of herself and loving herself and knowing that um, she, you know, I mean, it's knowing you're you're worthy. And I think the other big thing um, that I, I, we talked about that I hadn't thought about as much um, was just the opportunity to make mistakes Mm. because other everybody else in life gets the opportunity to, you know, make mistakes. You go out on your own, but because disabled people are often sheltered and, you know, other people are making decisions for us, we don't have those opportunities to, to like live, you know, completely Mm -hmm. holy Mm -hmm. in that way. And that's what I also loved about, about her is like, for many of us, disability progresses and new things come into play and you've got to wrestle with what that looks like and 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 resting and um self-care and and all of those things that i i learned a lot from from her what what do you remember most about stacy oh my goodness her voice she had the the this is sweetest and the best voice and she it was, hi, my love, you know, good morning, my love. You know, it was just, there was always this, just um, love and genuineness, um, always. I laugh at myself sometimes because I remember a few years ago, there was a place without a ramp. The step was just big enough that I couldn't do it myself, maybe four or five inches. So I took off my shoe. And I used my two tennis shoes to fill the gap and then made a ramp out of it and was able to get up the step. So just things like that, like nobody would ever think, what do I have that fits that exact size? Um, so just things like that. I, I really appreciate that the creativity that people with disabilities have just from everyday experiences. Even if we'd had a rough day or a rough meeting or, you know, I was frustrated about something to always, uh, it was just, so that's what I, I mean, one of the, personally, as a, you know, as a friend, that, that's absolutely what I remember. The quote that um, a lot of people are putting um, when they're talking about Stacey is the quote where she says, you know, I want to leave a legacy of disabled people knowing that we are powerful and beautiful because of who we are, not despite it. 
Um, so that's the legacy that she wanted to leave. And it's absolutely the one that she did for sure. I would want people with disabilities 20 years from now to not think that they're broken, you know, not think that there's anything spiritually or physically or emotionally wrong with them, you know, and not just people with disabilities, but queer people and gender nonconforming folks and people of color and all, all of the people I think that society really pushes down and out. And just to know we're so powerful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. This past weekend, the Disability Justice Culture Club held an event in Oakland to remember Stacy. It was a caravan around Lake Mary. Thank you all so much, everybody that came out to support Stacy. So much love for Stacy. The whole CFFM, everybody taking care of everybody. Disability justice now, disability justice tomorrow, disability justice always. Andrea and other friends also held a live Zoom call where many people shared stories and listened to some of Stacy's favorite songs, like this one. Thanks to Alice Wong from the Disability Visibility Podcast, to Sins Invalid, and to the Barnard Center for Research on Women for letting us use some of the tape of Stacy that you heard in this episode. We'll leave you a link to those in our show notes. The Bay is produced by Erica Cruz Guevara and our editor, Alan Montecilio. We also get help each week from Kiana Mogadam. KQED's leadership crew is Jessica Blachek, Erica Aguilar, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Tovin Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for us. We'll talk to you next week. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S.